Hello, Spencer. Caleb. How's things? There's no need to talk about that right now. <laughs> I mean, there's no need to ruin the mood, I mean. <laughs> I don't want to set things off on a bad note. No reason to ruin a perfectly good podcast so early on in the episode. All right. Well, how about we talk about something good? All right. Do you know of anything in the world that's good right now? Uh, ooh, I do. The new season of Stranger Things. I was uh, surprised when I saw you posting about that because I didn't think that would be like a show you were really like into. I liked the first season. The last two seasons, I don't remember anything from them because they, I didn't, I didn't care for them really. Like they were okay. They're more of like a fluff kind of entertainment. Like it's just you know, like going to see Marvel movies or something. Didn't really leave, like didn't leave any kind of imprint on me. But this new season, I was like, holy shit! Like it's just they really upped to the level. And everybody who's watched it that knows the episode four uh, was especially hard hitting and uh, good show. Good nice. show. Uh, it was good to see something on the air that isn't complete dog shit. So it only took took it that it was ending for it to get back to being good again. Yeah, it was weird because usually by like season four, or season five, season six, like these kind of shows when they're nearing what should be their end and they don't know, they get that weird spot. It's like, well, we already told the original story one to tell. I guess we could just keep it going. That's when it goes to shit. Well, so far, this has uh, been awesome. And there's only two episodes. Like they did a... Volume one and then volume two is going to be two episodes, so that was kind of weird. Uh, but they're like long episodes, aren't they? I think they're like two episodes or two hours long for each episode. But there's definitely some cool metaphors throughout. And uh, like the episode four was about depression and like PTSD and, you know, kind of like choosing to live rather than just, uh, oh, I, I need to live, but I, you know, life sucks. I don't want to live. Like you have to choose to live. And like there's a whole metaphor there. And, like, it's, actually live. Yeah, it's like, I mean, a lot of people, when they're suffering with depression, they're living, but they're not living, you know? They're like, they're just alive. They're just going through the motions. But you have to actually choose to live, and, um, you know, folks, just watch the episode. They really did a good job with it. Even if you didn't, you don't watch the show, just the scene alone, like, in the build-up to it uh, that they have that is, like, just really cool. Um, but other than that, I've been having an absolute awful week. Uh, but my writing has not suffered. I will let you oh, know that. I have not good. let it go to the wayside. I've actually been doing more shit because I've been so angry. <laughs> there you go. Like, I've been so tired. I'm like, I don't want to go to the gym at all. And instead, I went to the gym and I was like, what I did, like, <laughs> you're going to like this. Uh, Tuesday, because I had we had Memorial Day off. Well, I did. So all that means for me is, oh, and I just get extra work throughout the week and everything sucks. So Tuesday, I went to the gym after work. And I was feeling like complete dog shit. I had a horrible day. was exhausted. So what I do, I'm like, I've never even tried to bench 315. I just loaded up the bar. I was like, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And nobody I didn't else crush, in the gym. Nobody else in the gym. No, I didn't put the safeties on it. I was like, fuck it. I just, I just want to almost like when you see those, uh, <laughs> like those TikToks where they put the thumb back and do the suicide grip. Like, so they just kill themselves essentially. Uh, I was just kind of in that mood, but I didn't fail. And then I end up still lifting like pretty heavy, but uh, I didn't. I didn't get the the lift. I just didn't crush myself. It's like I leveled up. I was just like, oh, I found out if you're very angry, you could just lift really heavy weights for no reason that you have no business trying. I honestly should have fucking did deadlifts instead because right. then I could have like got 600 pounds and been feeling real good about myself. Uh, but instead, I went for the bench, which I don't give a fuck about because that's fluff muscles, Spencer. That's yeah. beach muscles. Fucking bench. That's more of a more of your bench, boy. Who 
gives a fuck? I got long arms. Leave me alone. That's what somebody asked right before they kick sand in your face. Oh, every time, like, if you look like a guy that works out, that's the number one question people who've never worked out in their life ask. What do you bench? What do you give a fuck? I can say any number. You don't know if it's good or not. I, I bench 800 pounds. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's not like a world record bench press or anything, you fucking dude. Anyway, you also write for not a living, but maybe for a hobby. I don't, I don't know what you do these days. How's that been going? You had like you know a three day weekend. Well, you probably didn't have a three day weekend, but you, there was a three day weekend yeah, for some people. For, yeah, they, for for some they were. Uh, so, you, so the no, writing's not good. No, the writing has not been good the past week or so. Haven't been able. The few times like I like I can get myself to get to like the laptop and actually do it. I've been able to get like a few hundred words before just like petering out. It's just And by Peter and how do you mean succumbing to the wiles of pornography? Yeah, yeah and then yeah, naps. <laughs> and, then, and then a very long <laughs> coma slash nap. Uh but yeah, uh it's just um being able to just it's one of those where it's just even getting yourself to um uh, opening up the laptop or the notebook or whatever you know, whatever you're using to even you know what's been working for me, which is a huge sign that I need to quit my day job yeah. if I want to be a novelist. Uh, most of my writing has not been on lunch or after work. Actually, after work, I've been doing almost no writing when I have the time just because same problem I always bitch about. I'm just so fucking tired. don't yeah. want to do anything. Now, what I've been doing is when I get to work, and it just so happens like this week was especially good for it, is most of my stops don't open until like a certain time. So it gives me just this buffer zone of kind of fucking off until they, you know, I can get and do my job. So I just start writing at that time, and it's just, like, great. So apparently I'm just made to write between, like, the hours of 8 and 11. Hey, like, would go. be the best. But that's the problem. This is my fucking work. That's when I'm you know, normally my busiest time of the day. So I could get in maybe a half hour of, you know, what would be kind of fucking off there to write. And then I would have to go back to work. So uh, what I need to do is quit my job and find a way to just do that. See, because I can't do that on the weekends either because I never want to wake up early <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so apparently I am like a morning writer though, and I don't like that because I hate the fucking morning. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing anymore, but I need to do something because I cannot keep living this way, Spencer. I also have some things to show you off here that are gonna make you mad about the publishing industry. <laughs> Yay! Uh, fuck. Yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, let's put it this way: it's not good for our demographic oh. of me and you. Uh, yeah. Hey. So, so we'll find out. You'll find out about that. The, the fans. They don't need to know about our our woes. Also, to end this not-so-good cold open, uh, my reading has also gone to dog shit a bit. Not that I haven't been reading every day, but A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce. Just drag, just killing you? Ooh, I'm on, like, I think I got 50 or 40 or something pages left, and, like, it started off rough. Got to, like, 70 pages in, and then got really good. I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm liking this now. Yay! And then by, like, 100 and page, like, 150 or something, just don't give a fuck anymore i'm like oh so uh once he become he became the artist as a young man i just don't, <laughs> don't care anymore so uh that's 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 a duty 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 uh but i will be reading the sherlock holmes with you here shortly probably so maybe that'll pick up you know yeah my spirits a little we'll see but anyway we have a great show for you folks and um yeah stick around spencer he's uh he's gonna regale us with a, a, a tale of two titties Ooh. Oh, did I not tell you we're doing like awful puns? Oh, and, yay. And you have to like rewrite a book, classic book, but with awful. Just using old puns? Yeah. Well, not even puns, like just stupid like porn, you, like porn titles, but 
I can do this. Tell you off air about that as well. Also, that's not a thing we're actually going to do on air because that'll get us in trouble. Dude, I don't, you know what? I don't care. I'm about to just start doing stuff that will get us in trouble. Because <laughs> fuck it. We need the attention. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer of the Kazakhstan Cracker Crumbler Church. Hmm. See, I made that nice. Yeah. Wasn't so bad. Wholesome. Wholesome. And I feel like Kazakhstan is a country that would have a lot of crackers. Like They probably make crackers hmm. or wheat germ or something yeah. weird. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts. It's not. They're, I wish they'd be a sponsor. We can dunk your nuts. Dunkin's. You forgot the donut part. The, the, the don't, don't dunk your donuts. Oh, but I want to dunk my nuts. Oh, God, you're a pervert. Today's episode, we are discussing the art of... Reg- I can't say that word today. My lips are all... Gooey. Sticky. By the way, that's not normal coffee. It's mushroom coffee, so it's like <laughs> extra earthy. It made, this made my mouth sticky. Extra dirty. <laughs> it is. <laughs> The Art of Originality, How to Become a Unique Writer. And this is written by Caleb James K at DrunkenPenWriting.com. Who's that hack? A fucking shit face, probably. Probably a guy with a really handsome cock and a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't remember writing this. So, it might be a dog shit article. I don't know. But I didn't feel like coming up with a topic to discuss because I've been down in the dumps. So, uh, and you didn't feel like doing anything no came over i guess that was a start that's my kid that's my uh uh contribution, contribution is the word yes. <laughs> you had it then you lost it i kind of wanted to say commitment but that's not <laughs> not quite right kind of a commitment yeah. don't talk about com- by the way folks we're going to a convention this weekend and it just so happens that the uh pride festival is going to be going on at the same time and if you haven't listened to past episodes where we discuss this, everywhere we go, for some reason, people think me and Spencer are a gay couple. So that's going to be yeah. interesting to see how that plays out if we walk through the festival. If. How many times maybe would be a better, yeah. Like how many times are we going to walk through the festival? All right, Spencer, you ready for this? No. A four-minute read, so. Oh, God. Oh, God. Five minutes, fuck. <laughs> I don't know if I could do you, this. You wordy fuck you. Oh, full of words. And that's why there's there's so many, because I have to get them out. Uh, There's too many. Writing is one of the hardest art forms to stand out in. Do you agree with that statement, Spencer? Yes. Okay, good. To become a recognizable writer, you must have a truly unique author's voice. In movies, you can often tell who the director is by the cinematography style, story pacing, and character arcs. This isn't much different from writing, only you must create the visuals through words. Which is a lot tougher. Yeah, it's not so easy, man. To make a good story, but also write it in a way that's unique, brah. The first thing you must do to stand out as a writer is find your distinct storytelling techniques. Yeah. What's your storytelling techniques? We'll get into yeah. it. We'll get into that later. No, this doesn't mean you tell the same stories or same kinds of stories over and over. It means the way in which you go about telling a story should scream you. If someone familiar with your work reads one of your stories, they should be able to tell you wrote it by the style. Man, is that tricky. Yeah. Because there's some good writers out there where if you read it, sometimes you might, like, you still might not know. Like, if you read a random Neil Gaiman short story, it might take you a minute because he's more subtle with his mm-hmm. style. And Stephen King. Also, he's very uh, versatile, too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he does a lot of different genres and stuff. So if you didn't know it was his story, it might take you a minute. Uh, but usually he does have this uh, cadence and with which he narrates that you can usually spot. Uh, Stephen King does the same thing as a very distinct narration style because his characters, while unique, always have a hint of King in them, you know? Yeah. Haruki Murakami is another good one because we talked about, uh, which I think he might actually pop up uh, coming up here. Before I go into that, uh, Haruki Murakami's style, like anyone who reads his his work will know that's Haruki Murakami just because of more of the themes mm-hmm. than necessarily the writing style. In movie terms, think of Martin Scorsese. He often includes similar elements and themes in all his movies, yet each one still feels original. An even better example is Quentin Tarantino. When you watch a Tarantino film, you know 100% you're watching a Tarantino film. I don't think you can watch a Tarantino film and after reading that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book he has, his writing is the exact same. Like mm. you would not be able to mistake him for someone else. Well, uh, especially like uh, like you can always tell with his is like his dialogue. Yeah, you, you know you can only tell like if he's like, very uh, distinct. Yeah, and then obviously his cinematography style is like very unique as well. And then usually his uh like nonlinear storytelling style as well. And then feet. Yeah, gross feet because that also showed up <laughs> in the book. Like it's not unique to the movies. Which is creepy to think he's sitting there writing and About still describing. He's probably even more detailed than they'd be in the movie just seeing it. I just don't know what he was doing, want to know what he's doing while he's writing that. Something gross, I'd imagine. What is Wiener? <laughs> Ooh, I bet his Wiener looks weird. <laughs> they all have similar themes, visuals, and dialogue styles, yet each of his movies are original and stand out on their own. This is what you want to do in your writing. Some people might hear that and think, that doesn't sound too hard. But to be able to tell a story well... And be unique, that's the difficult problem. Because you could stand out. You could even do something which I consider a little cheap, is the Cormac McCarthy style. I'm just going to specifically never use quotation marks and these kind of punctuation. Like, I'm going to have a style where everyone will know just from the grammar style or something like that. Like, that it's my work. That's a little cheap, but it's. I think it's more important to have the style in your storytelling abilities that's unique. Not necessarily just... Uh, you know, the grammar you use. Yeah, or in the formatting and stuff like that. To bring things back to writing, let's discuss the unique styles of famous authors to give you a better idea of how to make your work unique to you. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Let's see what Caleb has to say on the subject matter. Ernest Hemingway is one of the most famous authors in American history. When you read a Hemingway story, you know it's a Hemingway story. This is because his writing style and storytelling techniques are unique to him. Hemingway made the short, direct, easy-to-understand style of writing famous. Before him, most authors wrote very flowery prose and often looted the closest thesaurus. What's unique about um, Hemingway is if you just took it at base value, like a lot of his work does seem very simplistic, but then when you really, especially like his novels, when you read them, you're like, wait a minute, there's so much metaphor in all this, and it it just doesn't seem like it should be able to fit in such simplistic vocabulary and sentence structure like you you just wouldn't think a guy would be able to hit you that deep with such simple english like it just doesn't seem possible but it is like and that's why he's, he's unique because we both read authors who while their prose is very simplistic so is like there's no metaphors to them or if there is they're very very obvious and you can spot them a mile away and like their simile usage is very like it's it's not anything that's gonna be challenging, you know. But Hemingway could still be challenging if you're read because you could read the story just as is, or you could actually look into the story he's telling, and then it's it's a lot different. I know that sounds artsy fartsy, but uh, trust me, folks. If you read the the big uh, big papa there, you'll get it. You'll get it. 
It also helps if he watches a PBS documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, those were pretty good. Yeah, the Ken Burns, those were those were excellent. Hemingway broke the mold by writing in his unique style, which many future generations tried to copy. As for themes, Hemingway was all about masculine culture and drinking. His stories often depicted what it means, in his view, to be a man. His stories often incorporated characters who were struggling to cope with loss and are featured them, and featured them drinking a lot. Sorry, I was distracted by this picture of him all drunked up. <laughs> <laughs> this one is something you need to get on, Spencer, so you know what I'm talking about here. John Steinbeck also implemented a more simplistic writing style, but his was different from Hemingway's. Steinbeck had very specific ways in which his characters interacted in his work. He also used certain themes, often the down-on-his-luck types in the 1930s California, over and over. Whenever someone reads a story about Depression-era America, they often think of Steinbeck. He also likes to add religious elements and caricatures, his view on Asians, Latinos, and poor people, to name a few, in his work. The one thing you'll see almost all successful writers have in common is this unique author's voice. You have writers like Richard Wright, who wrote from the perspective of African Americans pre-civil rights movement. You have writers like Stephen King, who have mastered the ability to tell horror stories in the way only he can. There's people like Haruki Murakami, who have such a unique style that their work is never mistaken for anyone else's. Then you have writers like J.K. Rowling, who have the ability to touch a huge demographic of people with her work. What makes these writers so original, though? How did they come up with such unique authors' voices? Well, let's break it down, Spencer. You ready to break it down? Sure, why not? You want to break it down? Break it down now. You know what? We'll make this a five-part series. I'll just uh, break it down. No. <laughs> every, episode next will, week. every episode will be 18 minutes. First, we go with upbringing. A person's upbringing shapes the way they view the world, which translates to the way they write about the world. Stephen King grew up with a love for old horror stories and horror movies. Obviously, this had a major impact on him and how he tells stories now, up till now. Second, your environment shapes the way in which you tell stories. Steinbeck loved California, and this is why he wrote about it so much. Hemingway spent a lot of time in Europe during and post-World War I, so war in Europe showed up in most of his novels. And later on, when he lived in Cuba, you guessed it, it showed up in his work too. They say, write what you know. Well, what do you know better than what's around you every day? So your story, Spencer, could be centered around heroin addicts and... And degenerates. De degenerates and uh, skid row dirt balls going to the bodega. <laughs> I like it. You need to spend more time at your local bodega. Sorry, I just like saying the word bodega. We do have a, bo a bodega now in town, and I've been in there once, and the guy was trying to... F I think he was trying to stab the clerk. Uh, me and my brother went in there, and uh, we, we just walked out. I don't know how that turned out. Probably not good. Most likely not good. Third, your personal life bleeds into your work whether you want it to or not. Haruki Murakami is a good example for this because his work often features characters who are pretty much him. The jazz, books, and whiskey-loving average Joe. Another obvious example is Richard Wright. As I mentioned earlier, his work was often about the struggles of black Americans growing up and living before the Civil Rights Movement. This is because he was a black man who grew up and lived in the first half of the 20th century. Again, write what you know. Well, what do you know better than yourself? The write what you know cliche is great for creating your author's voice because it pretty much means write what you see, think, and feel. The audience isn't just connecting with your stories, they're connecting with you, the author. That's a, that's a good point there because a lot of people try really hard to market themselves on social media and stuff, but their work isn't a reflection of who they really are, I think, a lot of times. And that usually just comes with... Uh, kind of being amateurs and just not having built up their style. So they might cultivate this following for, you know, oh, she's such a, a positive influencer on Instagram and on Twitter, and she always talks about these things. 
But then in the work, it's like completely different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the writing is completely different. Uh, So there might not, you know, there's not a connection there. I think it's just very important that you express yourself, yourself in your work, because uh, if you're just telling a story, but you aren't involved in that story, you know, you're just telling someone a story. It, it doesn't hit the same, you know, there's no like personal level of commitment there for the reader to want to connect and read the author's other work. Like, you know, you read a Kurt Vonnegut, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, very unique uh, author voice there, and it makes you want to read more Vonnegut. Yep. But he could have told that exact same story without his author's voice involved, and you'd have been like, oh, it's like a weird time travel story. But then you just, you know, that's it. You don't really want to read more of their work. And there's a lot of authors I've read their work, and I was like, oh, it's an all right story, but I don't know. It doesn't make read. you want to go and read yeah. anything else in their catalog. Also, and I'd imagine you've uh, had a sweet taste of this with Mr. Uh, Cormac McCarthy, because your first Cormac McCarthy was Blood Meridian. His author's voice in that book makes you not want to read right, other work. Yeah, that... Versus if you read The Road, you'd probably be like me, who's actually more willing to give other, his uh, other stuff a read. So, you know, just because that feels like that, like it was a McCarthy book, but it, it felt too extravagant, in my opinion, to be McCarthy. Like just from, because I read the Road and then Outer Dark. The Outer Dark was from the 60s. The Road is from the 2000s. Blood Meridian's right in the middle in the 80s, and yet it just it felt way different. I don't know. Even if you're writing about aliens, that doesn't mean your personal experiences won't bleed into the story. Anyone can write about a zombie apocalypse in New York City, but only you can write about it through your eyes, which is often the protagonist's eyes. I don't know if I agree with that last statement anymore, because... Like, I, I get what I was trying to say there. It's like, you know, the protagonist is usually a reflection of the author in some way, but it doesn't have to be. No. In fact, I would say that nowadays, which I can't speak in my current work because my protagonist kind of is a reflection of myself still. But uh, in Stephen King, like we always talk about, he has a writer. And Haruki Murakami, it's always like a writer, unemployed guy. or what, Like, it's always a reflection of the author. But there are some authors who write characters who aren't a reflection of them. So I don't know, that's that's like a toss-up, but... Creating your voice is as simple as learning how to write, and then learning how to write like you. Confused? I know you are. Let me clear it up. You must learn how to write the proper way first. Learn all the rules, how to tell a story, and how to create characters. This will be a boring and unoriginal process. Once you get the hang of it, though, you can break the rules. You can develop your way of telling stories, create characters, and even funk up the writing structure of your stories. You want to funk it up, Spencer? Funk it up real bad. Whoa. Real bad. Whoa. Funk it. I said funk, man. Funk. Fuck, fuck funk. is too hard. Funk. You funk. funk. It up. I said funk. No, you said fuck. I said funk it up. Ooh, I don't know. The way you're saying that funk. N is very, very light. You need a harder N there. Uh, <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> so if you want to become an original writer, Spencer, follow these simple rules. I have rules. These are my rules. These are Caleb James K's rules to live by. Master the rules so you can break them like a genius. So master my rules and then break my rules. Be yourself. Use your upbringing to add real- realism to your storytelling. Use pieces of your environment to enhance the places in your stories. Boom! It's not too... D- I don't know why I wrote boom. Like That's a boom! <laughs> I like the echo in the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to edit that out. No, I'll keep it. Fuck it. Boom! It's not too difficult if you're being yourself. The hardest part of writing is the learning process. Once you get the mechanics down, all you have to do is create stories unique to you. My best advice, either do what hasn't been done before or make something previously done better. Don't write the same zombie story everyone else's. Write your zombie story that's unlike anyone else's. Do this and you'll be on your way to writing success. I think for the last, I don't know how many years, up till, I'd say probably till last year, 
maybe mid last year, like last summer, I was most focused on my writing mechanics and kind of learning to tell stories. And I think I'm finally at the point now where I have my author's voice coming through and I can focus more on then just the writing mechanics and the grammar and the formatting of this work and all that shit. Like I could actually focus on telling the story the way I want to tell it versus just what we've been doing for so long is just figuring out how to tell stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, where do you think you stand at this point? Um, Cause I, I've been doing this a good bit longer than you. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like, um, like you, my voice is coming along more. Like I feel like that, uh, it's probably becoming one of my stronger, stronger tools, you know. Mm. But that was always kind of my. Whenever I started anything, I was always kind of like story first and like figure the other stuff yeah. out later. You know, if I have to add things or change something else around, like I was always more like story driven first. So what you're saying is you're on your way to winning a pool of surprise. Absolutely. Um, five of them. Five of them. Whoa, that's that's a lot. I don't even know if you're allowed to do that. Go big or go home, baby. All right. All right. Unfortunately, it's a Pulitzer for spoken word lesbian stories. That's how good it will be. <laughs> I wish there was like a more direct set of rules that could get you to find your author's voice because that's even like even those things like you don't necessarily have to do any of those. Um, I mean, I still recommend learning the writing mechanics and all that stuff, but like as far as writing about your environment or using things from your upbringing, you don't necessarily have to because like what if you had a really abusive childhood so you grew up and decided, well, I want to write children's stories to make kids happy. Yeah. But then I still feel like you're, you know, your real life would bleed over into that. So you're telling kids stories, but you're telling them from a person who had an awful upbringing. So you know kind of what kids would want to hear and want to read about and what will make them happy and probably what will help them through their personal troubles that they might be going through. So I think whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, our real lives are always going to bleed into our work and affect our work because a lot of people are like, well, I write fantasy fairy stories. Like that's not, there's not going to be me in that. And it's like, no, probably still will be to a degree. Well, it definitely affects how we work. So it's within a reason for it to affect the actual work itself Mm -hmm. too. Um, I think another uh, uh, trick you could probably use to help with your voice is, and we've talked about this before, but uh, consuming other media, if it's other, you know, movies, mm. shows, novels, and then that way you kind of get a feel for what a, a writer's voice even is. You know what I mean? Before you can find, because you gotta have to kind of figure that out too yeah. before you can find your own. You have to learn how to steal without being a plagiarist. And what I mean by that is you need to, so you say your favorite authors are, uh, I'll, I'll go contemporary. I'll say like you really like Toni Morrison, Cormac McCarthy, okay, or even like Water It Down. Let's, let's say you like more fluff writers. You like James Patterson, Dan Brown, and you want to tell those kind of stories. Well, you're not stealing their t- uh, storytelling style or their themes or anything like that. You're just stealing the parts that you enjoy. Like, so you, you enjoy the way Dan Brown forms a story, like how he, the way he tells it. Well, maybe you take certain elements of that and incorporate it into your style. And you take certain elements of James Patterson's style and you incorporate it in that to you. Maybe you like the literary uh, nuances of Toni Morrison's style. So you, you steal some of those. Maybe you like the way uh, Cormac McCarthy doesn't use periods and commas and shit. Like, so you take some of that and you, like, it all formed into this weird, blob of uh 
stuff that didn't exist, you know, pre-Shakespeare probably. Like, it, that's why a guy like Shakespeare is so amazing because they're just figuring it out, man. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's just inventing like, shit. Right? Like, and he did most of it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, now, you know, no matter what you do, uh, you're going to be stealing stuff from other authors all the time, even if you realize you're doing it or not. And I forget if it was, if we talked about this before or if it was me and Ashley, but I was, I was discussing with somebody, like having a conversation about a lot of these new authors I see, because I see this trending on Twitter every like couple months, somebody asks the question, and then uh, a bunch of people answer, to my surprise, uh, because the question is, do you read a lot or not read at all or whatever? And these are the writers. And a lot of the writers will say, I don't read much or I don't read at all. And I always think to myself, if you're not a reader, how the fuck are you writing? Yeah. Like, where does the passion for it come from? Well, we're like, yeah, one, where does the passion? Well, I think it must have been me and Ashley because I remember him bitching about like, well, they're just doing it for money then or something. Or I, maybe I was bitching about that. That's the only thing. Like, they, they just like the romantic ideal of like yeah the image of what it is to be a writer but somebody watched some couple seasons of california yeah i want to live that life but if you've never read like you're not a reader and you don't read fiction how are you going to be a fiction writer i'm not even talking about inspiration or stealing off others like how do you even know how to tell a story if because i think and i've been uh poo-pooed for saying this uh before which uh, fuck we went to a, a a panel one time with some indie author guy who was telling people how to write or something. And uh, one girl asked how she, like how she, I think it was like maybe build her own author's voice or something like that. And I said, oh, you should read a lot, like various genres and just like, you know, get your feelers out there and try all kinds of things. And the guy said, no, you shouldn't read a lot. You shouldn't read at all. Cause his, his view was uh, if you read other authors, then that's going to be your style. Like, so if you read a lot of Tolkien, then all of a sudden you're going to be writing like Tolkien. And I think like, well, maybe you just don't, you're not an original person. Like you don't yeah. have original thoughts if you have to steal from other people. But I think you should read a lot. Like I don't see how you can not read at all and then be able to, like what, I, I'm almost interested to, I should have fucking found one. I just didn't want to get money. <laughs> but like found one of those people, the one of those authors, uh, one of their books and bought it and read it and just to see what it's like. How do you tell a story if you don't have any influences? You've never read any stories. You don't know how, like, you almost think they have to be a liar, right? Yeah. The only thing I can think of is, okay, you're not basing your work on uh, what you've learned and picked up from through reading. It has to come from other media. So movies, TV, I would imagine their work would come across like a TV show or a movie. Like, there's no way you just have... No idea about anything. Like you don't watch movies, TV, read books, anything. Never have any kind of fiction in your life, but you're going to fucking be able to tell a story. It's well, just not going to work. Well, because I know, too, like, after, like, you know, watching a good movie or reading, like, a good book or something, or when you're in the midst of reading it or whatever, like, it can kind of motivate you or, or yeah. inspire you to get back onto the horse of your own thing or, you know, to try something new or different. Well, like, I was talking about that uh, season four, episode four, Stranger Things in the Cold Open. That one scene was done so well that it motivated me. I was like, I need to incorporate something like that in the novel I'm writing because that made you feel so deeply for that character in that moment. And it was one of the rare times in any me like any kind of movie or TV show where I was thinking, oh, this character might actually die. Like it actually, you were so enthralled with what was happening that you were actually like, holy fuck, are they going to make it? That almost never happens anymore. 
There's like nothing I ever see where the the show creators are able to make me think a character's gonna die outside of uh, you know, a grim type of show where yeah. you know, because Stranger Things is like they're kids. It's like it's a show about like high school. They're high school kids now, but it's like you don't you don't really kill kids that much. Like never main characters. You're not gonna kill off a main character. Now, if it was like Game of Thrones or something, yeah, you'd expect some, like the main character to fucking get killed. But that's like what the show's about. But anything like you know more sci-fi fantasy, usually that stuff. Because even like Lord of the Rings, like when one character would die, you'd be like, "Holy fuck, yeah. that character died!" Like because they're not. You almost think like nobody dies, right? It's a fairy tale world, but it's it's not. Uh, so that that that's cool. And we had a whole conversation about like impactful deaths. We had a whole episode about death actually. So is there anything you'd like to add to this long rambling topic? I don't believe so. Yeah, me neither. I would have to say check out Stranger Things. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, because I like I did not care for the last two seasons, especially the last one. Like I don't even remember anything from it. Like what I do, uh, like because they do the uh, a Netflix. Like when they have a new season, they show you like the previous yeah. season or something, like a refresher. And I was like, I don't remember most of this, and I did not give that much of a fuck when this was happening. I watched it, but I just I didn't care. So this season, I was actually invested. So that that's good. But yeah, if you want to check out that article that I wrote, Spencer, uh, you go to drunkpenwriting.com. You can follow us on Twitter at drunkpenwriting where we share saucy memes. If you really want to get lost in the sauce, you can go on Instagram at drunkpenwriting or Facebook. Uh, oh, and Spencer's OnlyFans. What is it this week? The uh, Kazakhstan Cracker Crumbler. Yep. Or crumbling Crackers. Uh-huh. You don't know what I'm using to crumble in that. That's what you have to go to see. I really hope what you're talking about is the, like the edible kind of cracker and not you're not crumbling white people, are you, Spencer? <laughs> I know you've been getting real like into Malcolm X and stuff lately, and I just worry that uh, you're going too hard, man. Yeah. Uh, anyway, folks, we thank you for listening, and we will check you next time. Ooh.